1: Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. I, I, talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And my guest today, one of my favorite German heavy metal bands, some of the pioneers of uh, German heavy metal. Talking about Accept. I caught up with Accept guitar player Wolf Hoffman and new, well, He's not really that new these days. He's been in the band for 20 years. Sorry. He's not really new these days. He's been in the band for nine years. Talking about singer Mark Tornillo from New Jersey. Uh, They've got a great story about how they met, how Mark ended up joining except, and how uh, what really sparked the reunion and the band's current resurgence. They're bigger now than maybe they've ever been. It's possible they're more successful, like I said, than the, the height of their 80s metal run. And there's a great article in the Wall Street Journal about producer Andy Sneep. We all know Sneep and how he's helping the metal music scene producing albums for Accept and Judas Priest, to name a few. It's a great read. You'll hear what Wolf and Mark have to say about Sneep. He's another reason for their big resurgence, what specifically he's done for the band. They're also talking about the very first gig they ever performed as Accept with Mark fronting at a club in New York City. And Wolf is also talking about the band's first run in the late 70s and early 80s when they opened for everyone from ACDC to Motley Crue to Iron Maiden. Accept uh, also just released a brand new album, Symphonic Terror, live at Valken 2017, the biggest uh, heavy metal festival in Europe. It takes place in Valken, Germany. It's the live performance that Accept did with a full symphonic orchestra. Very cool. The album is out now, and you can order it on their website at acceptworldwide.com And of course, it's available wherever you Buy music anywhere, or you stream it, Spotify, whatever. They're gonna talk about what it was like playing with the 50-piece orchestra from Prague, and we'll get some details on the band's upcoming tour, Except and the Orchestra of Death Symphonic Terror Tour. It starts April 20th, 2019 in Germany. Lots of stuff to talk about. Let's get to it. Wolf Hoffman. Let's get to it. Wolf Hoffman and Mark Tornillo from Except are on. Talk as Jericho.
0: Now. We
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that is my mission: is to not answer this, uh, ask you the same questions all the time, because I get asked the same questions all can the we time. We
2: you
1: you can you, you we we can uh, interact. You can do whatever the f- you want here on Talk Is Jericho, and I'm here with uh, Wolf and and Mark from Accept. Yo, on your hi. bus, on your uh, uh, beautiful bus, beat the street which i always thought was an interesting name for a bus company
2: i don't really know what that means i don't know either where they got it sure either but we don't question (laughs) it we just take (laughs) it as it comes
1: and also too you know it's going to be a good bus because in europe i mean at least you guys probably don't have to worry about it anymore but you get some pretty shitty buses sometimes yeah you but know,
3: they're a good company.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. good. It's good.
3: I don't really like the double deckers, like I said, because I can't ever stand up anywhere. Usually, we have the the ones that are like one level. <laughs> right. They're much taller. You know, and you and you beds, but
1: and you are, hit your head many times because you forget, right?
3: Damn right! I get up <laughs> out of out of the bunk and doink. Luckily, I'm a dwarf. So <laughs> yeah. You're a little guy from Jersey. <laughs>
1: exactly. Right? So you guys. Uh, um, you mentioned that you've been here since May over in Europe. Huge kind of resurgence for Accept over the last. I mean, it's been almost ten years now.
3: Yeah, but nine, nine, I believe nine years, years yeah, right? Ten year,
1: and that's yeah. how long you've been in the band for, yep. too, Mark. Nine years. Yep. So, um, and first of all, a lot of that has to do with the records you've done with Andy Sneap. Did you see the Wall Street Journal?
3: Yes, I did. I did. Pretty cool. I, I
1: that's talked, unbelievable. Hey, I you know, th- he deserves it. Yeah, it yeah. says that Andy Sneap is slowly saving. Quietly, and, uh,
3: quietly. <laughs> I don't know, think it's quietly, but he does it.
1: <laughs> but I mean, uh, did that make you feel good because it was based around accept? Ex-
3: yeah, it Judas was. Judas Priest
2: in yeah. the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. yeah,
3: that's pretty damn cool. You know, I talk the same thing. You do probably you don't the get only a-
2: time you'll ever see our name in the Wall Street <laughs> Journal. <laughs>
3: yeah, you don't get to talk to a journalist from Wall Street journal ever really so, mean,
1: so they called you and said it's so and so from Wall Street Absolutely. Journal
3: yeah which is great you know, there were some,
1: some great quotes in there talking about because Sneep kind of did it the same way that Rick Rubin did it with Johnny Cash or yeah. Diamond yeah. or all those guys what exactly did he tell you when you started working with him? Wolf
3: well, did we ever tell him anything, really? He just came over. He heard, he had heard that except we're planning uh, you know, to get back onto the scene and to make more albums, so he basically contacted us through our mutual friend, Ed Aborn.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Shout out to Ed for setting this up. Too. Exactly. Yeah. So,
3: he's, you know, Ed is really the, the man pulling all the strings here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, All of a sudden, we get this call, hey, do you want to meet uh, uh, Andy Sneap? And we were like, uh, sure, why not? We didn't really know who he was, and mm-hmm. we weren't not quite ready even to think about it, who was going to produce it because we were just starting to just write songs
2: starting to write, Exactly. so right. we just
3: had the first ideas down and the first rough sketches for songs and shit and all of a sudden there's Andy on the doorstep and says hello so you know we had one night of drinking and a couple of ni- uh, days of working together and that was it. And the we...
1: drinking is more important than the work. Yeah,
3: just to break the ice, you know. That was one of
2: those. It's a bonding ritual. Yeah, sure. It is.
1: Well, cuz that's the thing, it's not it's not uh, being on stage and working together is great, but it's you know, especially when you're in a band, it's the time you spend on the bus yeah. in between the shows. Yeah. That really decides if you can get along. Exactly, or not, you know. But it... you but, but you had a great quote. Uh, in, in the in the Wall Street Journal, he said he told you guys to be more German.
3: Yeah, how trippy is that? I'm, yeah, nobody ever said that to us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and what what did he mean by that?
3: He basically well, we didn't even know ourselves, but he made us funny enough. He he made us sit down and and listen to I think all of Restless and Wild and maybe all of Breaker and and Peter and I, I were did. were sitting there like. You know, school children, (laughs) basically the teacher telling us what he liked about our stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. because he grew up listening to accept and he said, There's a moment, what what did he say? It's one of those moments, or the quality moment, or how did he always say it? I don't know. It's Ah. it's magic moment, or whatever Mm -hmm. the the phrase that he used. And we were totally surprised because we didn't really think we sound specifically German. But I guess we do. It's something we can't, we can't help. <laughs> we are German.
0: Yeah, th-
1: there's, but, a, there's a real style to it of... We always call it like... It's almost like a beer rock or Oktoberfest right. rock where you just want to swing your beer back and forth with a big handle. And, right. you know... Oh... Like
2: balls. Oh, 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 exactly. Right? Oh... Yeah. Oh, swing your... Beer mug like a St. Pauli girl. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a so very. It probably,
3: it's probably in the DNA or something without us even realizing it. Right. Because we didn't, we didn't really write that stuff back then to sound more German.
2: Mm-hmm. If anything,
3: we wanted to sound international. We didn't want to be German. You know, really. I mean, we just wanted to be one, one of the international acts.
2: Yeah, but
1: okay. but but then you have, like I said, there is a certain kind of a style to it which makes Accept does stand right. out.
3: Yeah, and since he pointed all that that stuff out, we thought, Oh, that's easy. We can do more of that. If that's what you're after, you've got plenty of that, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. So it was kinda easy from yeah, there on it, out, you it know. It was
2: enlightening though, you know. I mean he really went, you know, point by point through the music and mm-hmm. know, this 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 we need more of this, we need more of this and they were like, Okay.
1: And how yeah. was that for you, Mark? Because you're coming in not just as the new singer, but also with this new producer, you know, and you're the new guy in in the group as well.
2: Yeah, I had no idea where we were going, man. Yeah. It was, it, you know, it was it was it was kind of sketchy at first for me, for sure. But uh, it just really worked well together, you know. We when we started started writing and the ideas started came coming together, and once Andy approved of the ideas, then, you know, <laughs> it was. Uh, it really it really flowed but we took a long time to write uh, blood of the blood nations, nations yeah. yeah
3: it was a few months it was definitely yeah we had plenty of ideas but didn't really know how should we sound after all these years having been away from the scene and you know should we sound different should we sound exactly retro like back in the old days or you know so mm. there was a lot of you know a lot of songs that kind of went Sideways, basically. Sure, sure, sure. I, and he was the one who really said, "No, no, we don't want that. We want this." So, I
1: is know. it hard sometimes? Like for our last album, we had, you know, we decided that okay, this producer, he's the principal, he's the boss, he has the final say. Right. And sometimes during the recording process, you're like, F- "This guy, who does he think he
2: is?" You know, it drives yeah. me crazy. Producers can get on your nerves. Yeah, you know. Did- it's- Especially you know, as a singer, man. Especially, yeah. Okay, I was that was good. Can you do it one more time? <laughs> right. I was that was even better. How about one more? Do you have one more in you? <laughs> yeah. How many one mores do you want? Right, right,
1: yeah. right, right, right. Exactly. And also for you too, it was interesting because I had the TT Quick record, Medal Medal of Honor, mm-hmm. uh, cool. a, f- a great tune and front burner, nice, produced by Wacko from Raven. Yes, it there's was. a little bit of stuff for you there. So a bunch of different producers on that record, really. Yeah, but but it been a while since you were in the scene though at that, that point in time were you were you still gigging
2: uh playing uh, very rarely mm. very rarely i was out for a while you know i mean i when the whole thrash thing hit not thrash i mean when the whole west coast grunge thing hit you're right it was which was pretty much we just said you know what we're beat at that horse here mm-hmm. and i'm not gonna start playing grunge i'm not gonna cut my hair put on a flannel shirt and look like a freaking idiot so I'm not doing it. And I pretty much uh, went into my other life. And uh, I was raising children at the time. I needed a real job, I joined the electrician's union. I had always been an electrician. And uh, that's what I did for like a long time. Yeah. I still do. right? Oh yeah, okay, well, yeah, I, sure. I still belong to the union, so.
1: How did you end up working with, with Wolf? How did you find?
3: We, well, it just happened uh, really by accident. We, we Peter and I jammed one day and, and some guys just suggested there's a singer who lives close by. Why don't you invite him? He can sing all the material and see how you get along and see how it sounds together. But really, that was just all there was. There was no big auditioning. There was no big looking for a singer because we didn't really... It wasn't really on our mind at that point. We were Mm -hmm. just purely jamming for fun and all of a sudden... In comes Mark, takes his shirt off and starts singing uh, Flesh Rockin' Man.
0: <laughs> and it sounded you
3: know. amazing right away. And I looked at Peter, he looked at me and said, "Like, what the hell, where's this guy from? That's amazing. You know. And we thought, there's a chance to maybe start the whole machine back up again. But it really happened after that moment. And it wasn't like ever know on our minds before that day
1: you just mentioned something that's very important to you for people that might not know it's like you said we were jamming for fun Peter right. and I were jamming for fun and were you ready to go forward with except and you didn't care if it got huge or not huge or whatever it may be you just wanted to keep playing because you enjoy
2: playing music
3: yeah but we didn't have a singer and right. we weren't really, I mean we didn't think there is one out there and we didn't really actively look for anybody yeah, It they just weren't sort
2: of, openly auditioning anyone was so just really a interesting a freak thing man so you didn't put a call out that you were looking for a new no, singer guys no. wow no hell no guy it- who owned the studio just happened to know me and got in touch with me peter called me up i went and jammed with him and the rest I, of the- I thought that was going to be it you know wow. two weeks later i got a call from peter again he goes what do you think about doing a record on a tour i'm like <laughs>
1: so how did that go with your wife and your well, family? That was the first
2: thing I said, let me get back to you. Let yeah, me ask right. the wife, you know. And I, I, I ran it by her, and she says, "Well, well, if you don't, there'll be no living with you. So have fun." Like, now she enjoys it though; she loves it.
1: Do but. you find now, like you mentioned, nine years later, working with Mark, that Accept is bigger at this point than you guys ever were in the eighties?
3: Yeah, I would say. so I think so. Yeah. I, I, I think so I mean it's really hard to say because comparing apples to oranges yeah. back in the day the scene was so different it was all based on selling records and and no touring was does. just a side no, business no, no. now it's just the opposite now we're all just make records to tour basically but still overall I would say we have now a more successful period and a more more of a stable point in our career than we've ever had you know we've made four. Strong albums, studio albums, live albums—you name it—it's all mm-hmm. all happening, and it's happening right now. And it's it's more successful, I would say. Because you can ever. see, I mean,
1: like on all the, the the festivals, you guys are always headlining the stage, second stage, main stage, whatever right, it may right, be. Right, right, right. You know, people really are into it, which yeah. is,
0: is great to see. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy six yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also seventy six yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
1: Was that hard for you, Mark, at first to kind of take over this uh i'm not gonna say iconic voice but you're taking over you know a very major part of the band
2: um once we got to doing it it wasn't mm-hmm. but, but the initial reading the comments on the internet and all that stuff while we were making the record and god only knows what's gonna happen it was like wow yeah it was a heavy trip man and I, uh,
3: I stopped reading all that shit after a while because initially we we were hit with this shit storm when we announced to the world that we're coming back with a new singer and then everybody had an opinion and they weren't good. God, it was horrible. They had had written off the thing before it ever even started. I mean, nobody had actually heard a damn thing and they already said, oh, it won't work and here's why. And, you know, everybody was against it just out of principle. Really, it was hard to find anyone who was for for it. it. Yes. Right. But then once Blood of the Nation came out, it all went backwards it shuts all... everybody up yeah it, it kind of did you know. it took about a year or so and there was no there was no discussion no anymore nonsense, so there's
1: right. a great story about uh paul mccartney when the beatles were making Sgt. pepper mm. and all the critics were like the beatles are done they're finished they take six months to make a record it's, it's going to be terrible they're finished and McCartney was just like all right motherfuckers just wait and see what happens <laughs> right
3: and well was... in, in a weird way that's kind of what happened to us right i mean because all these comments happened while we were still writing and working on blood of the nations and uh, our first record and it it was kind of we had the same attitude you know just white guys we'll show you you know it made us put even more steam and effort into it
1: isn't it kind of the way that the world is now talking about comments on social media and stuff it's like it it drives me crazy because if you're a fan of a band if you're a fan of accept or or kiss for example or whoever a it Fuzzy. may be fozzy right but not for, but i'm talking about bands that have replaced members yeah like, let's say like journey like we Run. want steve perry okay but arnell is a great singer do you just want the band to break up and be done
2: Hell no. Like, you know what I mean? That, That's what I mean. I'm saying. So, like, just, just give it what? a shot and I, go with it. I kind of relate it to it's kind of like kids when their parents are getting divorced. Mm-hmm. You know? And the kid's like, no, you don't, I want you to stay together. I want you to stay together. You'd rather have us be f- miserable. Right. So you could have, say, I live with my mom and my dad. It's the same damn thing. Right. right. You know? I mean, it, move on.
1: Yeah, it exactly. Helped. And my thing is, if I'm an accept fan, yeah. I know that Wolf and Peter aren't going to put this out or hire a guy, and it's not going to be great. Right. So trust the guys that you respect.
3: Yeah, and all it takes is I think whenever whoever you replace, I think as long as you find the right guy. I mean, look at Judas Priest. They, they, you know, KK Downing, perfect right. fit. I mean. I mean, R- the, you would never think they would they would replace K.K. Downing. <laughs>
1: f- can f***ing Sneep now for... Yeah, well, that's a different story. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry. I, I know, I know. Right, right. <laughs> just have you kidding. seen him?
2: I have not. I've, we've, we've played with him already. I saw him in New Jersey when they came through. Oh, okay. Andy hooked me up. And it was great. And uh, man, we just played with him, and we're playing with him again... What, Tomorrow? Saturday? Well, Saturday, Saturday, yeah. yeah. For a festival? In Vienna. Yeah. No, one off in, oh, in really. Vienna.
1: Right on. Yeah. That would be a good tour except in uh, i know it would previously. be it would be great wouldn't it rob if you're listening make it yeah, happen man. make right? it happen
2: that's what god <laughs>
1: how was the uh how was the first show playing with except
2: the first the very first show we did was in new york at the Gramercy. so i kind of that was a home show for you that's for your me. backyard yeah kind of you know i almost knew everyone in the place you know like, <laughs> like 800 of my closest friends mm-hmm. uh, so i kind of knew what was going to happen there three days later, I'm on stage in Lithuania. (laughs) I'd never been to Europe. I have no idea what to expect. You know, I was, I felt like, you know, Spanky and the old little rascals. I wanted to walk out with a garbage can (laughs) lid. Right? And go, friends, Romans, and countrymen. (laughs) Ting, (laughs) ting, 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 ting. Yeah. But, walked out and right from the get-go, it was like, you know, old home week, man. It's the, it's the music, right? is what it is. You play the songs, if you play them properly, you can't yeah.
1: lose. And then, like you said, too, having a, a strong batch of material from your own stuff, yep. you know, as you move forward now, four albums in, what songs, like, you have to play a good significant amount of your old catalog. yeah. But definitely w- which ones like, is it harder and harder to figure out like ah oh, we got to drop this one we, we want to play this because obviously you want to well, sing your songs yeah, too.
3: yeah but it's a luxury problem to have you know yeah. you've got so many to choose from it's it's actually almost fun to do it mm. uh, it's it's never a hard choice but yeah bas- basically we learn from experience we know which songs really the audience likes to hear most and those there's there's a bunch of songs we almost ha- have to play every show mm-hmm. like balls to the wall metal Heart, princess of the dawn um, but you know what? I, I tell you what, what most fans really think is amazing how well this new stuff blends with the old stuff. You know, it's, it's not really like it's two different worlds. It, it really goes song to song, and you never know is it old, is it new? You almost have to ask yourself which one, right. which album is that from. But it almost sounds like it just flows good.
1: Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, you mentioned a couple of your songs. I, I had heard something I never heard before uh, a while ago, a few months ago. Did you guys write I'm a Rebel for ACDC?
3: Uh, no, it was oh. actually the opposite. <laughs> uh, Vanden Young
2: wrote it, right?
3: Yeah, Alec what? Young.
2: Okay.
3: Alec, well, they've got all so many brothers and nephews <laughs> and whatnot. And right. one of their guys, I think his name was Alec Young. And he went by the name of George Alexander for some weird reason. <laughs> um, he wrote a song and brought it to the ACDC in like 76, 70s whenever, right. in the okay. 70s. They didn't. They didn't ever recorded. They just made a demo. didn't Didn't like the song or did, rejected it for whatever reason. And there it was. And our publisher came to us and say said, uh, "Here we've got this very commercial songs song for you guys. Do you want to record it?" And we said, "Oh yeah, sure." At, at, at that point, mind you, ACDC was not as huge. I mean, they were still sort of underground or whatever, mm-hmm. just sure. starting to happen. Right. 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 And uh, yeah, we recorded that song. And somewhere out there in the universe is a demo with Bon Scott that I'd like to get my hands on. You're but kidding me? No, I'm. I'm wow. Not. And I've heard it. And actually, the the our publisher a few years back came to one of our shows in Hamburg. That's where it all happened back in the day. And he had it still on his phone, and we all listened like little fanboys and i think that original <laughs> version with bond scott is amazing actually
0: wow
1: that's pretty yeah. cool that their one exists mm-hmm. yeah. but
3: they keep it locked away in their archive they're never gonna release it and now uh, you know they're so
1: they're so tight with everything
3: we right and 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 that that original writer now has passed away and so has the publisher so it's it's forgetting you know it. who it, owns it or whatever uh, no it's, it's never gonna see that were the you a day. big
1: bond scott fan mark you've got that style uh, you know it
2: right you know it he was he was my favorite man yeah what a shame
1: did you ever see
2: acdc the no and i was i had tickets to see acdc open for van halen mm-hmm. in wow 79 right before he died mm-hmm. It was highway to hell tour van halen was the was the headliner and for some reason they didn't show i think phil rudd's uh, mother died or something gotcha mc5 took their place which didn't suck but (laughs) but i never got to see him with box i did did you in
3: the 70s yeah when when it was rumored that angus young at that point was like 16 years old or something (laughs) i think they they overplayed it a little bit he might have been but still he was clearly very very young at that point very small yeah yeah, we're still small but (laughs) exactly supposedly he was like only 16 at the time that's how they uh the, he was announced. It's a sensational band from ACDC with this young guitar player, and you know, of course, wearing the the, the uniform. Yeah, sure, I think you might have been 19 at the time, but who cares?
1: Did you? Are you from Hamburg?
3: Uh, no, uh, near Cologne. Near
1: Cologne. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. What do you remember about the show? What was Bon Scott like as a as a frontman?
3: He was all right. He wasn't a great showman for some yeah. reason. I, th- I think I always liked him better on uh, uh, on records than I did live. He wasn't like as captivating as you think he, he, I mean back he didn't impress me as I mean everybody was just looking at Angus really yeah yeah. <laughs> it's always Angus' show I mean it was really and
1: even to this day, I saw um, uh, I saw the show with Axel Rose at the Garden. Right. And it was a great, great show. Axel nailed it, but he still hung out at the amps with the other guys while Angus went and did everything. Still, really, yeah. It's I mean, still it's Angus' gig to the stage. His show, you know, absolutely. Yeah, It's, it's totally. kind
2: of hard to upstage him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: When You you mentioned that when you did the Blood of the Nations tour, it was your first tour to Europe. What were some of the big differences that you noticed or things that were confusing to you or food or anything like that?
2: Food? I'm food i i eat anything (laughs) whatever i'll eat anything it's you know so i i enjoy traveling for for that reason Mm -hmm. food uh i think the biggest thing for me was the was the fans they're so different here than they are in the united states how do you mean in what way i think they're just so much more into it Mm -hmm. so much more involved in the shows and and uh and there's still so many metalheads here right it's i insane. mean doesn't
3: it look like it's 1985 sometimes when you walk out there I mean,
2: oh my goodness right. absolutely that's
3: what I mean, i'm saying
1: especially when you get into more of these type of countries the hungaries and oh, Czech yeah. republics and yeah you know those right. type and of Eastern things block
3: and everybody wearing that denim vest with all the pastures yep. and shit. i mean this is this is almost a <laughs> culture like, that you like don't see it
1: was,
2: it's, it's a way insane.
1: of life
3: yeah you know you're and, and your and metal. The, mm-hmm. the craziest thing is it has never changed here it just sort of Like a time warp, it's that stood still, and it's still Mm -hmm. like it was back then. It's my kind of time warp, (laughs) yeah. In the US, it sort of moved on, and people entered different things, they threw away the denim jackets, I guess. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, you know, it's amazing to me, though. Um. When you come to Europe and there's so many festivals here. Like I've never heard of the Pheasant Festival. That's, what we're, that's yeah. where we played today. And then we're going tomorrow to the like Rockland and Rock Planet and Rock World and Legends of Rock and all this. It's like every country, oh, yeah. multiple places has them.
3: There's dozens in Germany alone. Right. I mean, the
1: small ones, big ones and everything yeah, in between. Yeah. But it's really cool to see the culture of heavy metal over in Europe, like you mentioned, is still so
3: right uh, popular. It definitely is, and people make an event of it. They almost use it as a mini vacation. They really go for three days, they camp, um, and do all that stuff. So I think it's it's great.
1: Yeah, it's it's it's, it's it, now when you it's almost for...
3: like a mini Woodstock type deal it, it, every weekend at every know?
1: one. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, now when you went to America for the first
3: time, yeah, what what tour was that? That was Kiss. 1984, Man. opening for Kiss. That was our of the first shows ever. And that was a that was a trip for us, being the European band, coming over to the, you know, big United States, and everything was huge in comparison You're a to Europe. Big to Kiss your,
2: fan, right? Big Kiss fan, yeah. So is our drummer, Oh, boy. oh really? Oh, yeah. yeah, he drives me nuts with it. <laughs> I mean, he's like, he's fanboy
3: number one. He's, he's over the top with it, but
1: yeah. So, how was that for you to, to, to tour with Kiss? Were, were they cool to you guys, or did you see them at all?
3: Yeah, it was really. Two worlds clashing because here we are, this German band, very serious, taking everything super seriously, and and you know, I don't know, it was all about the music, and then we played with Kiss, and it's all about the show. I mean, the musicianship is, you know, it's, but it was on a, on a grand scale. Everything was with forklifts and tractor trailers and arenas every night and.
2: Fireworks oh, and we had a level of production. We'd never
3: seen any of that in Europe. I mean, even when we watched other bands perform, but you know, the US was still like two notches up from yeah, there. Yeah, sure, of course. Huge. Uh, so that was really mind blowing for us. But I guess we sort of adapted and, you know, got to know it and it was great. We stayed on the road for like. Eight months when we first came over With here. Kiss
1: over there. Yeah. Fell
3: over to the U.S.
1: What, would you, what did you notice the difference when you came to America? Were the things that
3: kind of you couldn't believe? We noticed that everybody, young and old, and everywhere you went, every gas station, it was like, "Are you guys in a band? Oh, that's amazing!" <laughs> and, and, you know that that sort of thing. Where in Europe, like, it was that's like. Great who are these bums, you know?
1: (laughs) Get a real job.
3: Get out of my, you know.
1: (laughs) But that's the thing with Accept. Like, if you're talking about that 80s time frame, um, and you mentioned the show, and all the bands went through the stage of almost well, even Judas Priest was like turbo, right. turbo lover, you know, a little bit glammy. Queensrÿch yeah, totally. went through it, except never did that. You guys always were just kind of like the leather and hair, and that Pretty was much.
3: It. I mean, we had one phase where we tried out with a new singer in the nineties. Oh yeah, would, uh, yeah, Eat the Heat, and right. we sort of glammed up a little bit for that, but we realized it, it's not working. It's not really for <laughs> us, and the whole thing, whole thing was a was a failed attempt anyhow you yeah, know. yeah yeah. but it was really in those moments or in those days it was really all about hitting the million album sales really that's what everybody told you i mean we were with cbs uh, sony and 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 all the successful albums on there were like 10 million 5 million and and we were like the little band from germany that never hit that had mm-hmm. that that huge commercial success so we were constantly uh pushed into that direction well if only you did a um, little more radio friendly songs right. and a little more commercial this and we said all righty then we're gonna give it a try and you know mm-hmm. can't that you was be our...
2: someone else <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that because was our attempt
3: because, because nobody had ever this was like pre-alternative pre-metallica being so huge so at that point it was commercial bon jovi style or nothing mm-hmm. either you went you know with a mainstream or you weren't successful pretty much that's true though i mean it was the time of mtv everybody was pretty had the great hair yeah yeah yeah. those were the bands that were selling
1: well and not to mention that you know udo as your singer was not a a, not a good looking guy shall we say
3: (laughs) (laughs) you know put it mildly yeah (laughs) Yeah. so we didn't fit that that you know that, that mold that mold and that's why we were always the outsider we always had a huge sort of underground following cult following Amongst musicians and all that, but never really the sort of the masses who
2: buy records.
1: Mm-hmm. Did you ever see Accept back in the day?
2: You did? Oh, yeah. You never knew. We didn't see know. Well, I saw the Metal Heart Tour. Oh, shit. <laughs> in uh, at the Capitol Theater in New Jersey. Uh huh. And then uh, the night you guys played at L'Amour. Oh, yeah, off, that
3: night. Yeah, yeah. You
1: were that... the opening
2: act. Did quit? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> really? Were they nice to you? I didn't probably not probably I not were, the only
2: person I met was Udo uh-huh. and he and I had a, a very short conversation Gabby came downstairs and looked at Udo and went Udo get away on the bus schnell and I went, he goes I, I must go <laughs> that was it that was my whole interaction with all, anyway. hysterical
1: you know, it's funny mentioning Gabby is that uh, you mentioned Ed, his his ex-wife Tammy. Yeah. When my son was born, Tammy uh-huh. came to visit my son, and Gabby was in Tampa visiting her. Oh, really? So she came. I huh. never met Gabby, but my wife met Gabby when she ah. just had. She, Gabby met my son when he was a little baby. So there you, you know, go. It's a small world. It's <laughs> a small world. Yeah, exactly.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed?
1: Just want to ask a quick TT quick question. Did you guys ever like do any touring at all? Yeah, in, in the '80s. Who did you
2: go out with? Did you get Megadeth? A- we were out with for a while. Okay. We, did, we were out with Motorhead for a while. Uh, we did an extensive tour with Raven at the time because we were label mates.
1: Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh,
2: but that was mostly '86, '87, somewhere around there. got but Mostly all North America. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah Canada yeah. and the U.S gotcha um
1: when you're talking about the 80s time frame and balls to the wall i remember yeah. i was probably 13 yeah because that came out in 84 right yeah and it was like balls to the wall it was so like controversial, <laughs> like you couldn't play that song too loud because if your mom and dad heard it, then you, you can't say balls in a song. <laughs> w- was that a, a kind of a, a controversial move to put out well, a song hell, called yeah. that? Yeah,
3: absolutely. It was yeah. on purpose. Uh, you know, we always did these sort of. Slightly shocking things, and we prior to that we had a song called "Son of a Bitch" and right. it was full of bad words and you know yeah, yeah. it was just you know part of the rebellion and let's shock the parents kind of that was the vibe back then. This is when metal was still meant to shock, and mm-hmm. now it's just mainstream.
2: now it's anything goes.
1: Well, it's also hard to shock people now in this. Oh, day and that, age.
3: that's the other thing too. But you back know? then they were kind of slightly shocked by it, and you know.
1: So, did the record company? say okay let's do it or were they like hey you gotta watch the balls to the wall buddy
3: no they were into it I mean they were aware that it was outside of the mainstream but they were you know there was something cool about it that they liked apparently or else they wouldn't have signed us you know Mm -hmm. got played on MTV so that's true you know Big hit on MTV, wasn't it? Beavis and Butthead too. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: hey, hey, Who's this guy?
1: <laughs> You're right. What are they Let's shows, not Forget. Udo it's a badge
3: was, of honor, man.
1: He was on the Wrecking Ball or something. Udo was, and yeah, yeah. they, they were talking about yeah. him being on the Wrecking Starry. Ball. <laughs> who's this guy? Yeah. <laughs> Is he an elf? <laughs> <laughs> talking about uh, about except and being um, playing as long as you have. Also, too, like I saw a, a TV. Special. It was like a a music thing, and it was a festival that you guys did. Was Motley Crue was on it, Quiet Riot was on it, except Night Ranger. You probably don't remember. It's a million years ago. I do actually. Kalamazoo. Kalamazoo. That's it. The Kalamazoo Rock Fest or something. For some reason, Mm -hmm. some music channel was there and shot a bunch of stuff and put it together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember they would just show clips of the bands playing, and they showed except and it was a song that I'd never heard. Really? But it was super fast, and it had this amazing harmony guitar solo. It took me years to figure out what song it was, because I didn't have any Accept Records before Balls to the Wall. Uh-huh. I had them all after. And it was Fast as a Shark. Yeah. Right. And d- is th- could that possibly be the first
2: thrash song? So they say. That's, I mean... That's the way we understand it. Is that what I mean, people say? I'll tell you what. I remember hearing that song for the very first time at Lamore in Brooklyn. Mm. I mean, that was we were like a house band there for a while. And... DJ played that. He goes, I have something to because we had already had, you know, the Breaker album. Played all that stuff, right? All of a sudden, he goes, I have a brand new record from Accept. where do you hear this. Puts an album going, what ID, D D And then it just started and we were like, ah! <sighs> oh, yeah. just went batshit crazy. So so, so tell,
1: tell us a little bit about that. Like if it, if it is the first or one of the first, obviously it's not something that you were hearing a lot of at the time.
3: No. Uh, it really i clearly remember the how we wrote the song and how it all came about it was really the drummer stefan who came up with the crazy idea of playing double bass double kick all the way through and we'd never done that Mm -hmm. and and uh so he came up with that basic idea the concept and we sort of had the riff that was fairly easy and then i wrote all that that weird middle section for it but then at the very end or like we wanted to really have an intro for it or something and i Thought about it, and I, I, I came up with the idea of having like to put on a record that's completely the opposite of what what's what's about to happen, just to fool people and thinking something else. They put I, I thought everybody who buys the record thought that they, they might have bought the wrong record.
1: But, you know, you, <laughs> right? Well, that was yeah, the yeah,
3: idea. You know, yeah, you, yeah. Go, you go to the store, you buy the new accept record, you put it on, and say, "What the hell? Somebody put the wrong record <laughs> in the, in the, the sleeve. sleeve." Yeah, that was the idea. And I thought maybe we use like an opera part or something. And then uh we didn't we were already had recorded the basic track and we were looking for any sort of intro to use and we went actually through the record collection of the studio owner's mother. We recorded at Dirk's Studios (laughs) at the time where the Scorpions used to record and all that. Is that that Dieter Dirk's Dieter Dirk's Mm -hmm. the studio? And there was Grandma Dirk. She had a record collection. And we said, what kind of records do you have?
0: <laughs> this is great.
3: What kind of records do you have that we can possibly steal and, and abuse, you know, and scratch out Because we wanted to rip the needle off. And she hadn't had, had some children's records that um, Dieter Dirks, as a kid actually sang on. So there was all oh these German traditional folk songs that everybody heard as a kid. And there was the one song, it's called Ein Heller und ein Batzen that uh, had this middle middle section where there is no lyrics because we thought like german lyrics nah mm-hmm. don't want that again because we didn't really want to sound too german you know we wanted, wanted it to be international and that little segment is hey die, hey do, hey da. Which that's what we used. So we borrowed <laughs> that album and put it on and ripped the needle off and kind of destroyed the record for Mama Dirks. And
2: there you have it, folks. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> the,
1: the story. Father, there was a video of that. Might <laughs> never have heard that story before.
3: Yeah, it's cool, isn't
1: it? When I was in high school, we used to do these, they were called like lip sync competitions. Oh, yeah. And we'd put together, but we never did just normal. Like some guys just do like Metallica or, you know, some pop. We would always splice together different songs. Ah. And we did this one that we used Heidi Heido, Haida and scratched the record to go into the thing that we were doing I remember we had this guy wearing like a, a children's dress with a wig and it was a guy and he came and danced around to that Heidi Haido and people in the crowd were like what the hell is this and yeah. then it scratched off and then we started into it so we did the same thing that yeah. you guys did <laughs>
2: crazy
3: huh but it's really so, the inside knowledge is that Dieter Dirks is singing on that piece yeah. that's, that's the funniest part
1: sorry Mrs. Dirks for destroying your record <laughs> Yeah, you're talking about lyrics for, for, for the last four records that you've done, um, Rise of Chaos and Blood of Nations, and, and the other ones. Um, do you write all the lyrics, or do you still write? Cause I know, I know, deffy Yeah, Gabby,
2: Gabby sometimes Gabby still, still contributes. she yeah. still writes. She will come up with some ideas that are just, you know, that so out of the ballpark for me. Mm-hmm. I would have never thought of it, and I go, well, okay, let's let's run with that. Yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah sometimes you know the hooks are there and sometimes they're not but you know for them for the most part i write most of the verses and the right the lyrics it. and stuff so it makes
3: sense because you know he's the one who has to sing it it's right. his language I mean yeah it's not our job
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: come on man here get busy <laughs> why why was she called deffy back in the day
3: because to have a female write a song balls to the wall it would have been looked at like slightly strange you know and we didn't really want one wanted people to know that you know she's the manager and my wife well she wasn't my wife at that time yet but it you know we thought keep it a secret and just sort of Mm -hmm. went with it just stay in the background
1: with uh I, I was just popped in my head the sleeve for Balls to the Wall you guys are all I think you're all with no shirts on
3: oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah baby Ooh. except for Udo yeah no, he keeps his shirt on that wasn't a good idea we Isn't... told him to keep the shirt on that was also Gabby's I mean she she is so much the creative uh motor behind this band or the, the motor in general mm-hmm. in this band for like 40 years almost and she was always the one who made all these cover concepts or had the ideas and was there at the photo sessions and had the ideas for pictures and you know
2: yeah. was uh, was was peter the hand model on that one as well
3: no uh was he no he wasn't the, no, no, the cover with the ball, the ball? no, no yeah. that was actually a guy that the uh, studio that the photographer knew he was a boxer hmm. so he was in pretty good shape and hold this ball hold this ball it was actually a rock <laughs> okay <laughs>
1: yeah when you uh i just want to ask a, a couple more questions here um you mentioned L'amour, and we had the the pleasure of playing L'amour right before such an closed. iconic tell venue, us a little man. bit about that place and how much it meant to the new york heavy metal scene it was, it
2: was the new york heavy metal scene yeah. and we actually played there i played there at tt quick in 1979 when it mm. first opened was a totally different lineup for us at that time uh and then about i guess around 80 in 1980 we started playing there every thursday night on a weeknight and it was just i mean it was a crazy crazy thing back then you could do that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and uh everybody came through there we opened up for everybody that you could possibly imagine in that building and and then some I remember
3: it being tiny and stinky and jammed. I mean, it was.
2: Well, it was big at that point. Was I mean, it? it, was, it, was, it was, I remember it being. More, it, it held about 3,000 people. Was it a really? A couple I think of you guys held? broke the record that night. I think really? It 3,800 people in there. No
3: program. shit. I remember it being tiny. Maybe um, you are nah, thinking of a different place. It's
2: long and deep. You probably yeah. couldn't see it. Or
1: maybe at that point you were playing just the stadiums and arenas so much oh. it just seemed small for you. <laughs> Why? <Well>, I- <laughs> <laughs>
3: it it felt small on stage maybe yeah, the, the yeah. stage was small stage but. wasn't
2: gigantic no maybe that By was any it any means but uh yeah it was i mean the, it was it was the the entire scene hmm. you know there was nothing like that anywhere else they actually opened up one in queens after that it was lamore east yeah and then one in long island Lamore's far east <laughs> but they never really had the impact that the one in brooklyn did who was the craziest night you ever had there uh, we were playing on a thursday night the next night was uh, priest and maiden at the uh, at the garden. What a bill! So we're at, so we're at the we're, we're getting ready to go on, and the owner comes in and he says, "He says, hey, you know, the guys from Iron Maiden are here. They want to, uh, they want to know if they can hang out in the dressing room." We're like, "Yeah, well, we're gonna say no." Yeah. yeah, come on, bring them in. So they all came back. We hung out, and this night we asked them if they wanted to play. No they don't want to get up okay no problem we get on stage about halfway through the set my guitar tech's looking at me so come here, come here come here come here everybody goes they want to play they want to play i'm going Really? They want to play? Okay, well, let's bring them up. The next song. I said, tell them to come up next song. And it, I introduced them. I go walking off stage. Steve Harris grabs me. He goes, where are you going? Bruce isn't here. I went, <laughs> what? <laughs> he, he said, so I sang, I sang uh, Rothschild with Iron Maiden right. that night. <laughs> place, you want to talk about a place going batshit crazy, oh, man. man. It was insane. <laughs> cool. So Maiden hanging out at Lamar. Right? Yeah, it was ass kicking, man. I, and my sound man captured it <laughs> on a cassette tape. So I still have it. Still so have no it. I've never seen any video of it, but I have the I have the recording.
1: That's one thing back in those days it wasn't like it is. Everyone has a video. You want to see a no, no. show from last night going it I mean yeah, you could be so video. much more
3: I mean, you could be so much more so much more adventurous in balls or you could try new shit out and mm-hmm. you'd always thought, well, you know, the moment you play that note it's gone forever. Who cares? Let's be you know, let's right. have fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now you always think in the back of me, oh, they're going to tape this and, oh, uh, you That's know. That's true. i I, I f***ed up, so, oh, it's going to be out there, you know. <laughs>
1: let's play a new song tonight. Well, what if they film it and it gets yeah. out there and maybe oh, it doesn't sound great? Yeah, yeah. so
3: it's a shame that, that... A
1: lot more pressure in this day and age is. for that sort of stuff.
3: Yeah, cause Cause true. Because, you know,
1: they'll get you if you if you do something you know? wrong, you know.
3: We yeah. actually played one night, one of the very few days, maybe, maybe if ever in all our career, that we did two shows in a night, we played with KISS at Radio City Music Hall on that tour, and, and then uh, we played the same night at Lemoore. Yeah, that was mm. when they did and well, a lot of the Lemieux same fans afterwards. followed us from that show to that show, to and Lemieux, I've yeah. talked to a lot of people over the years that were at both shows. Yeah, that's cool. That night, and it was one of those moments that stand out, because we'd never done anything like it. Yeah, like I remember we, we, did, we did that
2: in the 80s as well. We opened for Ted Nugent at uh, Stabler Arena, drove into New York and played a headline show afterwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's it's just crazy. crazy.
1: We've yeah. done that before. Manchester, Liverpool. Play the Manchester yeah. show in the afternoon. Drop the gear. Up, yeah. Don't even take your shit off. Sweaty and wet. Go right yeah. to the next gig. Right. It's great. Uh, Rich Ward, the guitar player. Actually, you yeah, I just saw him. Yeah, he uh, wanted me to ask you a question. Oh. He said when he saw you guys, right, Rich, you had, what is it? <laughs> it's not too bad. He said you replaced Motley Crue with Ozzy. That Motley Crue was touring with Ozzy, and uh-huh. when, uh, Motley got too big, mm-hmm. and then Sex came over. He wanted to ask, what, what is it like touring with Ozzy? Did you have any experiences with him?
3: uh... of course we did i mean it was it was fun um, he was pretty hammered a lot of times I remember that What well, that's that's to be expected that's that's Ozzy yeah and he sometimes wandered off stage I remember that sometimes when he wasn't in the mood he just sort of left and like oh, we just leave in the song uh well before the show and Ozzy was nowhere to, nowhere to be found I remember that that's sort of, those kind of stories yeah he came into our dressing room dressed as a, a up as a woman in, in Sharon's clothing you know so I remember that still have a picture of that in a in a dress can imagine. <laughs> just for the hell of it he yeah. yeah yeah um that no, was great man we had mm. a lot of fun
1: well like you said too, just the, in, in america at that point in time heavy metal was so big and they it get was those type of tours right
3: we really jumped from tour to tour to tour and just stayed in america for like mm. i believe in that first year eight months the next year six months we played with everybody like kiss and iron maiden forever and and aussie osborne and even then with motley Crue with dio all these bands it was great
1: what tours have you done since you've been in the band that you really enjoyed
2: all of them, <laughs> I, really I enjoy them all. I think <laughs> every I think, night. I Wolf, the highlight probably was the two AC/DC shows. Though, yeah, that was good. That and, was, it, was oh wow. Good. Tell yeah. us about that. Where was that at? That was two, that was the first tour, 2010. We wow. opened for uh, AC/DC on two open airs in uh, was uh it was Hanover and Stuttgart, I it was believe. It was Stuttgart, like and two and like stadium shows, outdoor shows. open airs, eighty thousand. Just
1: ACDC dc and XS. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it was strict, man. They were like they were yeah. getting wrong I mean not the band, the band was never there, but no. the, 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 the the whole organization was like, Don't do this, don't do that, don't even think about that and, and get up, yeah. no sound check and don't step on the don't step on the eagle riser and yeah. You know. Yeah,
2: well, nobody told me, me, asshole. I got this long cable right out on the catwalk first song, and I see Gabby's on the side of the stage going, "No, no, no!" no. Frank's going, "Oh my God, you're going to get thrown out. You're going to shut us <laughs> off." Well,
1: nobody told me. Well, that's I did that a download uh, last year when Aerosmith played, and the catwalk is there, yeah. and you're like i'm not gonna ask because i know what the answer is gonna be so i'm just gonna, I'm gonna go. grab the mic at the b and run as fast as i can down there yeah and at least you know you've got it done and yeah. then they didn't say anything but I, they, I know afterwards like no other bands are allowed to use the catwalk Right. you can't right. use the catwalk so how was that i mean so they're very strict but was the show good yeah the it was really trip? good yeah yeah,
3: yeah. and it was weird because it wasn't really the f- a crowd full of metal fans it was really
2: mom and pop yeah, kind of audience and, and it was really their audiences are notoriously there just to see ac right. they yeah. can give two shits about the opening act you know yeah, yeah. i mean we did we did really
1: well i thought yeah
3: we did actually
1: how did uh how did you get those gigs Who, it's just whatever uh, right we got this call here it is
3: somebody yeah. somebody did something and we got him i don't know how it you know, yeah you always it's
1: amazing when when you play like you know as big as as you guys are and then you go play with A C D C which is as big as it gets.
2: Pretty much. You well, know, you I mean, see the difference, you know. It's it's like going going from a club band to this. Right. And then going from this to seeing that and you're like, <laughs> Oh my god, we're like we're 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 like yeah. uh, I mean <laughs> I mean
3: just the whole production is insane. You go under the stage and they got the tour of just all the amp I mean there's this amp city, really. Mm-hmm. I mean they've got like ten marshall heads and they're all running and there's a guy just servicing the head. I mean, there's a guy just in charge of only the amplifiers. I mean, that's it. That's it. I mean, he doesn't do anything
2: else. Just the amplifiers. Yep. <laughs> there's a row of generators and transformers that are freaking huge. I'm going, oh, man, we <laughs> got some power back here. So talk about,
3: you know, big production. Oh, it's That's the
1: thing. Like, our, our crew is five and your crew might be 10 and theirs is like 100. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. totally. Like, yeah. you know, with 18 semis and like oh. you mentioned, they don't know who's yeah. even working for them.
3: And they stay on the road for like, Three years, yeah, yeah,
1: know, yeah, yeah, or two years or something. You know,
3: it's, it's, yeah, it's a different level altogether.
1: Just a, a couple last questions as we wind down here. Um, I was going to ask you. You just had, a, you just got a new guitar player and accept. Yeah, how is it yeah, The Uve, Uve, yeah, Midnight Uve, Midnight Uve, <laughs> Midnight Uve. But it's funny because I saw Kai Hansen. I saw Halloween last night, and he said yeah. that. Uh, how was it?
3: excellent yeah excellent good
1: i think uh one of my all-time favorite bands for what they do they're the best wait a album.
3: minute i thought we are no well you're up
1: there
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> see i said one of my all-time favorite <laughs> bands,
3: ah, right? good uh, three
1: favorite german bands scorpions halloween except there you
3: go uh, thank you um backpedaling
1: but, but he was talking about how he knows <laughs> what's that
3: backpedaler <laughs>
1: <laughs> no that's not it's true it's true uh he was talking about uwe which yeah. is a, uwe, which yeah. is spelled uwe right for, for it was not german uwe you, yeah, <laughs> what's up, Huey? Huey? No. Huey's a new guy. How is it for you? You've had to do this a number of times. Yeah. Uh, start working with a new guitar player because yeah. as a two guitar band, there's chemistry that you
3: have to have. Yeah. H-
1: how how is that? How do you decide uh, on, on how to use, or who to hire, should I say?
3: Well, basically you just sit down and play the songs together and see how it feels. Mm-hmm. You know, does it feel like it it gels or doesn't it? You know, because sometimes players have a totally different technique and but you know the way that we play we have to dig in pretty hard and you got to play those riffs in a certain manner i would mm-hmm. say with a certain attitude you can't just sort of you know have the guitar under your chin and you know do it really softly you got to man up There's and some power. dig in right yeah so it's you know it, it's it's a matter of attitude and i guess within a few minutes you know right away whether it's going to work or not
1: mm-hmm. you know do you, do you uh, speak german at all mark
3: Sauerkraut. Nine.
1: (laughs) So, (laughs) do you ever get this? So, I worked in Japan quite a bit. I wrestled there all the time in the Mm -hmm. '90s, and I was uh, the one Canadian-American guy on the Japanese kind of evil team. Right. And they spoke English, but sometimes they would all just start speaking in Japanese, and I wouldn't have a clue what they're talking about, but I know that they're talking about me because they
3: look over. <laughs> oh, that's saying, just ah. you paranoid Americans.
2: <laughs> <laughs> is that you ever get that? I'm sure the crew is... I understand a lot more German than I let on. Yeah. So. <laughs> I actually took four years of German in school when I was Did a kid. Did you? Yeah, I wish I had paid attention. It <laughs> yeah, great. see? You see what happens mm-hmm.
1: when you dropped out to be a rock singer? There you should have paid go. attention.
2: Yeah, exactly. Oh, well. Um,
1: final couple questions. So now, with except being as big as you guys are, uh, continuing on, for sure? Yeah, for Hell no yeah. we're
3: already thinking about. The next album you know it's, it's just gonna continue the train is rolling and there's we're, no stopping we're a little too old to take a break so <laughs> yeah you know. yeah yeah
1: you really can't right there's no, so much no. momentum now
3: one of the next things that we're scheming on right now is to do a few more shows with an orchestra because we played last year at bucken for the first time right. with
2: an orchestra and we have the dvd coming out with the orchestra now that's right. what when does it come time. out well, uh november 23rd I we'll
3: believe. release this when it comes out
2: for yes, the problem
1: so
3: what's it called uh it's called, it's called symphonic terror actually <laughs>
1: nice nice <laughs>
3: thought. you they know, used take to call, off on teutonic terror uh,
1: they always used to call you that in circus magazine the teutonic Terror. <laughs> i was like what the f- does teutonic mean is that yeah.
3: the, <laughs> i don't know it's us it's, it's far- a german <laughs> teutonic <laughs>
1: terrors <laughs> but so how was that playing with the symphony that's insane Dude, it was a trip it, it was, was amazing
3: yeah it
2: was killer yeah.
3: yeah obviously we'd never done it before and uh, we only had a couple of days to rehearse everything but it took months to prepare everything to write the scores and so there was a lot of preparation that went into it but at the end of the day it was something that we'd never done before and here we are it, it was, uh, it in was of like 80,000 people and worldwide streaming and Shit! this was the big moment and it went really really well
1: so are you doing like like balls to the wall for yeah, example with even the... faster the shark and shit like that wow yeah, did shark
3: we... with the with the symphony orchestra
1: was who like... uh who transposed it and who conducted it and all that um, sort of thing
3: well different people the, the the scores were written by a guy called melo mafali he's sort of a pianist and very all-around genius kind of guy mm-hmm. he wrote the score and then the you had an orchestra from prague 50 people we shipped them up to Vacken and uh,
2: yeah they came with a conductor we went there rehearsed with them in their studio and then
3: how yeah. much did you have
2: to rehearse not that much it was only a couple of days right yeah
3: two days but really only they were so good I mean literally they these guys they're mm-hmm. used to it I mean they get the scores they go a little they take five minutes okay let's do it boom perfect it First makes take. you
1: realize like
3: I mean there's people that can actually play as, you mean, know.
1: We're, I was just gonna say <laughs> well they're real musicians we're musicians <laughs> but then you see those guys and you're like oh my gosh yeah you know yeah, like what the hell he it, like it was way
2: cool though man yeah, yeah. It was, especially for Christopher and I we had both played in orchestra when we were kids you know really? yeah so I mean he's always been a concert drummer and I actually played tuba in the orchestra when I was a kid for years dude I so. was a
1: trombone player there you go nice. brass brass uh brass so, section unite it, it
2: was yeah. just a great thing
3: yeah so it was great so we're gonna have that out on DVD and then we're gonna play some more shows like that next year hmm. uh, on a smaller scale indoor shows regular right, venues right. like nice venues but when you
1: did the Wacken the, the show was it were you headlining yeah I mean yeah. that's that's was,
2: yeah that the, was first the, night that was the first night is called the night to remember right? the,
3: the, yeah usually the first night is where they do unusual whatever special stuff and that was our night I mean we dude, headlined
1: that's 80,000 80, I know
2: it's insane. Plus the bazillion online because it was all streamed right, live right, yeah. right So talk about a little bit of a pressure there. <laughs>
1: yeah. Especially when we're talking Just about everyone bit. having their phones and filming it and stuff yeah, too, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah. So it was way cool.
1: That's cool. No so, well, now, now you're gonna use Sneep again? Yeah. You're gonna have to pay him more money now because he's in Judas Priest. Fuck that. He ain't getting any more. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna do it for free. We got him to kick. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And you got him in the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Last question, what's your favorite song to play, uh to play live? Oh, man. or to sing live. Of of yours and of the past,
2: that's hard, man. Uh, damn, probably of mine, I would say uh, Shadow Soldiers. Yeah, just that's because a good song. that's just a fun song to play. I actually, get to sing. Ah, I don't yeah, get to yeah. sing a whole lot. You know, there's a lot <laughs> that, more screaming than singing going more. on. Yeah. The old stuff? Wow, man, that's that's even harder. I don't know, man. Demon's Night. Yeah, yeah, that's obscure. Yeah, actually, I really enjoy singing up to the limit because it's just so much fun. That's a good too. Really digs it. Yeah, it's just by that time I'm usually you know firing on all cylinders. But you know, people always
3: ask me, "Aren't you tired of playing balls to the wall and princess?" Because you've done it like two million times. But the answer is no. I mean, usually those songs are actually the ones that I enjoy the most because you don't have to think about it it's almost autopilot
2: yeah and it's Metal fun heart to, too Same and thing. it's fun
3: to get into the to, you know to have the interaction with the audience because those songs are so simple but they're the audience gets into them so but
1: know. the thing is to anybody that says that doesn't understand the real power of music because okay you've played it a thousand times ten thousand times yeah. there's people that have never heard except right. I've never seen except play I'm gonna watch you guys tonight yeah so for the first time ever for I sure. get to hear balls to the wall. So anybody that says, are you sick of it? I, I hope not because I'm super excited to hear it. Right. You know what I mean? And that's that's the beauty and the magic of, yeah,
3: of being yeah, a true. musician
2: and doing and, these things. And at
3: the end of the day, we're not there to entertain us. Yes. We're there to entertain the audience. If they're digging it, it's fine by me. It's well, fine.
2: I got you on that one because I've seen you wrestle more times nah. than I could ever count. Man. <laughs> really? My son and I were such, like, when he was a kid in the ni- late 90s, early 2000s, the whole Y2J thing, man. Right we on. We Metal watched, Lands or where? Uh, yeah, Metal Lands. Yeah. Every time he came through, it was either you know Monday for uh, Raw Monday or Raw. Thursday for SmackDown, whatever came through. We went no there a bunch of times, but we watched religiously. You never know, Every right? week. You never
1: yeah. know who's going to be out there. Like I said, I have uh, Medal of Honor on cassette and album, because I couldn't just have it uh, on album, because I couldn't travel with it when I got a shitty car when I was 18, so I bought it on a cassette. So yeah, there you yeah. go. All
3: right, you fanboys. Enough of that now. We <laughs> <laughs>
0: have
3: show play, but... a show to play. There you guys got a show to play.
1: Typical German. Get out of here. No, no, yeah. no of schnell. No, schnell, schnell, schnell. <laughs> Thanks, guys.
3: Yeah, man. It was a pleasure. Awesome.
1: All right, thanks to Wolf and Mark. Remember, Accept's new record, Symphonic Terror, live at Vakin 2017, is available now wherever you buy music. You can also order it on their website at AcceptWorldwide.com. All right, Fozzie, still rocking Canada. We're doing the final dates of the entire Judas Rising tour. We've been to over 20 countries. Canada's the final one, and the final shows are happening this week, uh, tonight, Wednesday, November 28th, at the Rock Pile in Toronto. Come check it out. Uh, Friday, Thunder. Thunder Bay at Crocs Saturday December 1st Winnipeg at the Burton Cummings Theatre homecoming for me December 2nd Regina at the Exchange December 3rd Edmonton at the Starlight Room and December 4th the final show of the Judas Rising Tour is in Calgary at the Gateway we will see you there go to fozzyrock.com for all ticket information including how to buy tickets for one of Fozzy's legendary VIP meet and greets it is one of the best in the business everyone who does it says they love it and says it's the favorite VIP they've ever had you get a a free Uh, mini concert Uh, we take pictures we sign an 8x10 for you we hang out and chat Uh, it's a great great time everybody across the world loves the Fozzy's VIP program if you want to join us go to fozzyrock.com you get a chance to meet Jack Slade as well Uh, All right, uh, thank you so much and coming up on Friday Nikki Novak from Fandango returns to Talk as Jericho for the Christmas movie preview special she's breaking down the box office hits and telling you what to see and what to skip at theaters this holiday season always a great time with Nikki we always have a blast so we'll see you on Friday for the Christmas movie preview. In the meantime, in between time, stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs, and a big.
2: You get your balls to the wall, man!